as we begin our time, uh, it, this is very, very informal, and you'll see how much Rob and I have rehearsed as we give each other cues as to what's going to happen next. But anyway, I want to read two verses of Scripture. Sorry about the curveball, Rob, but I'm changing slightly. Matthew 16 says, When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do the people say the Son of Man is? And they replied, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, still others say Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. But, but what about you, he asked, Who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter, the Mark O'Connell of the New Testament, blurting <laughs> things out without thinking, <laughs> making bold proclamations, said, you're the Messiah. You know it as the Christos, the Christ. You're the anointed one. Yeah. The one long awaited for. The one we've been looking for. Do you realize what a profound statement he made? You're the Messiah. The one we've waited for. The Christ. You are the son of the living God. What a powerful statement. And Jesus replied, wow. From you. <laughs> and then realizing he was being recorded, he said, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter. You're a little rock. And on this rock, that means this confession, I will build my church, and the gate of Hades will not overcome it. Amen. Please understand what that rock was it's a confession that jesus is lord Amen. that it's his church and it's his responsibility to build it rob and i have had the joy of shepherding this church that jesus has built and continues to build do, do you hear what i'm saying yes. but it's on that confession that he's the christ that he's the Christ. That's the reason we're here. Now, I had to do one, Rob, in the play on words here. Because you sang a song, I'm going to take a verse. It's a dangerous comp competition here. <laughs> <laughs> I sent you the verse for it. No, you sent me the song, actually. Sorry. Uh, John 7. <laughs> on the last and greatest day of the festival, oh, yes. Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, do you understand this festival? The last day, what they would do? They'd bring in these huge pots of water. Huge pots. They'd carry them in. And it was anticipation of the coming of the Messiah. That's what it was about. And you know what they did with those huge pots of water? They dumped them out because he wasn't here yet. Oh. And in the middle of that, Jesus stands with a loud voice it says, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. And we know that that's talking about the Holy Spirit. They were waiting for something. They were looking for the real water. And he was right there. Can you imagine that? The pots were empty. The source was right there. The source is here today. Thankfully, it's not me. 
Because sometimes I'm like an empty pot. In fact, you should be in the car with me sometimes on the ride. It's like, God, if you don't show up, I'm not even going in. <laughs> you think I'm kidding. <laughs> That's true. So, I am delighted. I am delighted to have Pastor Rob Christian, his wife Michelle, and you've got some of your family around all over the place. I'm sure you'll address all of that. So, well, there you have it. So, long ago, when dinosaurs roamed the earth, sir. All what, right. what brought you to here? Yuba City? Can you guys, am I on here? All right. I'm not used to these ear things, you know. You didn't have nothing. You didn't. <laughs> That's one, of, that's one of your friends. I know. I feel right at home. Heckling <laughs> from the crowd. All right, I forgot the question now. What, what brought you to Yuba City? Oh, what brought me to Yuba City? Uh, this. It wasn't here, but um, we had sense to call the pastor for quite a while, you know, finished schooling, went to Daniel Brown's School of Church Planting, and um, so I told Pastor Daniel that either we were going to move closer to Coastlands because we were driving from San Jose to Santa Cruz, basically, and, uh, or plant a church somewhere. And he never heard the first part of that statement, moving closer. <laughs> he just heard the plant the church, so pretty soon I get this call. And, and I always say that God tricked us into planting the rivers because I thought there was a church of 30 people. Until I talked, stand up, Timothy. He just came in the door. There's Timothy, come on. Uh, and until I talked to Timothy, who was already on site, and the list of 30 names was everyone who had been there, but they were virtually all gone. So I always have trusted Timothy since that day. It was the opposite of pastoral exaggeration. Um, but we decided and felt the Lord calling us to come anyway and, and begin the river. So we did, we did say we're going to start brand new, um, and that was a happy decision. Tell us about that whole process, how, when, where. I'm sure you had a grand cathedral. Oh, yeah, it was sound, really... Sound booth, obviously, the microphone thing's new. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Well, in those days, we just used rolled-up pieces of paper. And, uh, well, it's, there's a lot to say, but uh, I will say we started in Jay and Maria Batchelder's house uh, for our first two interest-gathering meetings. I mean, I was, I was 38, but this was all new territory to me. So, by the way, if you think ministry is whatever ministry God might call you to or challenge you to this morning. Um, if that feels like new territory to you, I think that's what the best place to be, actually. So, uh, and, then, and then after those two interest gathering meetings, uh, <clears throat> we decided to start in our home. I would do it way different now, but you know, you can't, you don't know. And so we started in our home uh, in Yuba City. There was 11 of us. That's Rob, Michelle, Suzanne, who's right here. And where's James? I've seen, there he is, behind Gary. And James, my son, yes, who's far away right now, so can't be here. Uh, so that was five of the 11. And, uh, and Timothy and Jay and Maria and Jasmine and probably Maria's sister or a mom or a couple of other people. That was it. So 11 people. 
And um, Michelle, um, did we clap for you? We got to clap for you. I don't know. I mean, because there's, I don't do this without her. You have no idea. Um, she taught Sunday school in the bedrooms uh, of the house. Uh, I think Maria joined in too. And so that was it. That was our giant beginning. Um, and from there, you'll see a little bit more in what we're going to play. Uh, we went to some other locations, and um, it was a slow start. Let's just put it that all way. Right. So tell us, what, what were some of those challenges? You don't have to go into all of them. I, I, I too, have been pastoring a long time. I know what some of that list is. But. Well, the main challenge was me. Um, and I say that sincerely. I mean, you know, there's challenges of where to meet and <clears throat> what time to meet. And um, I didn't really have a challenge of worship team because we had Timothy. So once you have Timothy, you know, you got a foundation, and that was, that was wonderful. But um, I just, God had about four years planned to work me over. It was not at all what I had planned. I had planned we'd be at about 80 people by the end of the first year, or, you know, before the end of the first year. I don't know. I wrote it down somewhere in my journal. I don't journal anymore for obvious reasons. <laughs> but, uh, but really, over the first four years, it was, it was God working on me and killing me. Um, and a turnaround came at, at uh, about four years in a night of prayer, probably a Saturday night. You know about those Saturday night times of prayer. And, and uh, just passionately crying out to God. And I finally, uh, I finally broke and I said, Lord, I'm willing to fail if it's for you. Because I felt already like I was failing, but I really didn't want to go home to the Bay Area. I didn't want to go back and have anyone ask me, how's the church going after four years, right? Because you hear all these, all these stories, and my story was very different. A few amazing people, you know, like 30, and, uh, you know, the, more, the older I get, the more I cherish those crazy people who came to church in our house. <laughs> Think about that. You want to come to church? Yeah, where is it? It's in our house. Eh, not so sure. Uh, but anyway, I said, Lord, I'm, I'm willing to fail if it's for you. And I really did break. And that, that really began a whole different season in the rivers. It doesn't mean he stopped killing me, but no, I, that was the... Yeah, I, I understand. Lovingly. So the follow-up to that is then is how did God prove faithful in all those ways? Oh, well, uh, I've thought about that question, and I would just say uh, it's you. As I look around this room, it's you. It's every single one of you and, and many that aren't here and some that are with Jesus. Um, I just, I can't say anything else. Everybody's loving, everybody's serving, everybody, you know, believing for what didn't exist yet. Um, everybody caring for people that weren't the cool kids, you know. I was really proud that anybody could walk into the rivers looking or smelling like anything, and you guys would always love them. You would always love them. You wouldn't turn your shoulder. You wouldn't act like you're better than them or hope they sat in the back. That doesn't happen everywhere, and... Uh, so it's them. So I understand you have something you'd like to show us that kind of summarizes that. Yeah, early, early yeah. Um, 
we thought about that. I want to thank Greg for digitizing this, which was on VHS video, which we hand cranked, I think. It, uh, Well, they can't online. So um, anyway, this it was on VHS, but originally it was a PowerPoint yes, presentation that Timothy made. I think, and I think Mike. Remember, yeah, you did. Mike Walker. Mike uh, Walker. Uh, well, yeah. it, it seemed like your humor, but maybe he, it was Mike. <laughs> so anyway, so it, its its origins weren't VHS; it was PowerPoint. All right, PowerPoint with music that we just played alongside and hoped it matched. <laughs> So, I, can, I can remember those yes. days. So I just want to set it up this way. It is 2001 technology, so you're, <laughs> you're going to see the photographs are not as crisp as they would be today. But um, this is what Mike Walker and I'm sure some others contributed prepared for our 10th birthday as, as a church. So if you came on year 11 and beyond, our apologies to you. Uh, this is We dug this out of the archives, and Greg kindly digitized it for us, and it also will be available on the website, right, after this morning, yep. so you guys can uh, enjoy it. So it, it's, it's a little, uh, it's not short, I mean, it's not really long, because you're probably either going to be laughing or crying during it. So let's dim the lights, and let's watch this. Is that all right, Pastor Mark? Did you cry? Anybody else cry? Okay. It's ministry. <laughs> um, Mark and Jill, would, would you do me a favor and come up here? Um, Dale told me that something didn't happen that should have happened. Come right over. Oh, yeah, wherever the cameras are. I don't, I'm not on TV very often, so. Um, we, we wanted to, well, first of all, um, yeah, I'm so messed up right now. Uh, if I only had a brain. I want to say thank you for coming. Can we, can we tell them thank you for coming? I, I, come on, come on. If, if you, you know, don't know these two, they're amazing people, uh, big, big hearts uh, for Jesus and for people. And um, Mark is an amazing teacher. He's just a really good teacher. I don't care how long you've known Jesus, Right, D, you still learn something. You still learn something. It's always interesting. It's passionate, but it's also your, your intellect is fed, which I really like. So apparently the baton was neglected to be passed to you. So get ready, because here it is. Oh, Come on. Finally. Come on. I mean, they've been running around the course without the baton going... Where is that pastor? <laughs> so uh, I'm going to read what's on it. Right. I'm going to try. It says, uh, I planted, this is Paul, of course, speaking, Apollos watered, but it was God who brought the growth. Amen? Yeah. By God's grace, I laid the foundation as a skilled builder. Now another person is building on it. Each person must be careful how he builds on it or she. No one can lay any other foundation than the one already in place, which is Jesus Christ. Say that with me, which is Jesus Christ. So there you go. And we have a beautifully handmade by Mark Moon Holder that it goes in. And so we just we just wanted to make up for that oversight. Amen. God bless you guys. Amen. <clears throat> oh, 
boy, oh boy. So if you weren't in that video, uh, we're celebrating you as well. Um, because every single person's important. And uh, if you ever wonder, you know, there's a scripture that I, maybe I'm going to read it. Uh, but if I don't get to it for some reason, I just want to share it. Uh, the second half of the scripture says, nothing that you do for the Lord is ever in vain. In other words, it's ever a waste of time. So I want to encourage you. Uh, you might have been doing things behind the scenes or people didn't recognize you or you felt like it wasn't even a success. Boy, join the club. You know, I've had lots of times where I, I leave a Sunday morning going, well, that was the dumbest message I ever heard. I just, you know. And it would be really funny because it would be that Sunday, not when I think I did a pretty good job, but that Sunday where somebody come up and go, that's just what I needed, Rob. And I'm like, you probably were listening to someone else, but okay. I mean, so, so if, you know, if, if for some reason you didn't get that sense of fulfillment, I want you to have it now. People, you know, behind the scenes and video and technology and crawling in attics and, and taking care of babies, one of the most important ministries that there is, um, teaching children, uh, working in the office, cleaning facilities, uh, making food, visiting people, whatever it was. You know what Jesus says? He says, thank you. Because you're him on the planet. <laughs> Think about that. He's not here right now. He's coming back, but he's here in you. And he wants to touch this world through you. I had so much to say, Mark. Um, and, and now you've given them handouts. <laughs> so we're going to run through a couple of things um, so you can, I know there's a couple of people that if you don't get to write down what's in those blanks, you're going to have a problem all week. And uh, we, we don't want to do that. Yes, Kelly? Oh, yes. Am I supposed to be doing that? I mean, not doing what I'm doing now. Yes, you're right. God bless you. Okay. So let me just do a couple uh, honoring and it'll lead right to that. Save my height again, Kelly. Okay. Um, I, I did want to mention three couples, uh, two of which are here, one's not, that um, I, they're in a really unique position in the rivers. So all of you are celebrated. All the people that aren't here are celebrated. But these people came, um, one of them, on the first day you guys arrived, right? And um, you weren't even speaking that Sunday, I don't think. And, but the other two couples came shortly after that. And I just find it amazing that with very little connection to the church initially, and then COVID hitting, they are still here. So I'm going to say their names, and then we can applaud them. Um, if I say your name, would you stand up just so we can see you? So you'll all have to turn around a little bit. Okay, so we have Chris and B.B. Jackson, right, in the sound booth and in the back row. All right. And then we have Dan and Cindy Danielson. I don't think they're here this morning. They're out of town. But let's clap for them anyway. And then Rick and Joanne Vines. Are you guys here? Okay, we're clapping for them. So, I, isn't that amazing that they, they're here? And they, they were all three here last week. I just want to give testimony to that. I'm not making this up. So, um, I wanted to honor those. And then we're going to have, uh, what, Dale and, and Kelly 
And yes, and Chris. Okay, so whoever starts that out, come on up. Okay, if I leave my notes, now I'm taking my notes. You're tricky. Wow, it's so good to see you guys. There's so many people here. This is so awesome. So I think I know most everybody, and you've known us for a long time, some of you guys. Um, my name is Kelly Birch, and uh, I was asked to read a couple letters from some other people, and then I have a letter to read from myself. Um, okay, so here we go. This is the first letter. See if you can figure out who it is. We'll do it like a game, okay? My family and I began attending the Rivers in 1995. They're probably in there. And it didn't take long for us to be in all in part of your family. The next 10 years or so were filled with countless challenges in my life, as well as countless miracles God blessed us with. From healing baseball injury overnight to providing financially after I gave my last $100 for something he led me to give to. God worked in my life, our lives in so many ways, I would take, it would take your entire day to share them with you all. That's true. Memories of Super Church, that was that word puppet that you saw running around with my husband. Um, memories of Super Church still gives me a warm smile in my heart. The drama team does as well, and I am blessed when I see the cross I made. I didn't know this. The cross I made for one of our skits that still hangs on your wall. I cherish the relationships I made with the Rivers family and pray you will continue to flourish in God's grace and love. Love and hugs from Brad and Christy Kosh and family. All right. So this next letter is from one of my best friends. There is only one certificate on my wall from when Pastor Rob baptized me in 1996. Raise your hand if you weren't alive in 1996. There's some of you guys. Um, sorry, I just have to do that. Um, yeah. Sunday school teacher forever. Yeah. Uh, there is only one certificate on my wall from when Pastor Rob baptized me in 1996. Not long after I had responded to an altar call at a music concert, the Lord rewired my brain to free me from sin and gave me a new life and completely new direction. Wow. The Rivers family loved me well. I can say amen to that. Even though, even though I was not yet mature enough, to understand the healing I needed to walk through then, they loved me with God's heart and received me in ways that took me a long time to know how to do consistently for others. When I think about that brief time of my life when I was an airman in the Air Force at Beale, I know the Lord did major works that served as a rock-solid foundation for the good future that lay ahead of me. As doctrines and denominations abound, the simple commitment to his word and command to love him and others in joy is true in my life today. I know my life would not be what it is now without the faith, work, and obedience 
those three big words, faith, work, and obedience of those that made the rivers happen at the very beginning of my walk. We are all in debt to Christ. Praise him who is king and he is coming. I am so glad for being immersed in that truth as well as the water. My prayer is his church will continue to reach his hungry flock. Seems like a theme this morning. It is life-giving to be loved, trained, mended, and sent from the rivers. Thank you all and bless you. Molly Small, Bruno. And this one's for me. 26. Yeah, Mark. Mark does too. Um, 26 years ago. So I was young. 26 years ago, we visited the rivers after being invited by our friends, Jay and Maria. I didn't want to come here because it didn't sound like a churchy name. I came from a chapel and the rivers, you know. Um, and it was actually our plan B church. We had planned to go to another church that morning, a pretty big church in town. And we went there at like 10 in the morning and it was shut down. So, all right, well, guess we'll go to the rivers. And um, we never left. Um, first few memories that we had were in La Petite Academy, the daycare center. It's over by Bel Air. It's in the corner. I don't know what it is now. Over by, okay. Um, that used to be our church. Um, the first few memories were Katie the dog, which was Robin Michelle's dog. Um, they were doing their church thing, and the door was open, I guess, and the dog came in out of their van. And the kids had to, like, go and put him back in the van. Like, this is pretty cool. Um, it was church in a daycare center, so we had to set everything up every week. We had a map, so we put all the toys back in the right place. And we had a killer children's church because the kids could go out and play on this awesome big slide thing. And Jenna was a baby back then. Um, later, we moved to the realtor building, which is over here across the street. And in that building, we held Thanksgiving and Seder feasts. You saw some of them on the video. Guided by Mike Covell from their tiny little kitchenette. And he always used to say, um, um, I can't think of the word. What it looks like was so important. Like presentation was amazing. So he'd be in there just sweating, cutting turkey, and making it look really beautiful. And it was great. Um, Logan who is now almost 22, was dedicated in that building over there. Um, we had many thriving care groups back then. We had silly dilly parties at Halloween, which were a blast. Um, many classes, many celebrations, including Spike and Splash, where my brother-in-law Mike decided he wasn't going to go home. So he was visiting from Massachusetts, and we had a big party at the Rivers, and it was like Saturday his plane's leaving at 5. Okay, it's 3. We better leave. All right, we'll just wait a little bit longer. And then he just didn't go home. So he hung out. <laughs> so that was good. Um, Rob married us in California. We got married back east, but we got married again in 1996. So I've known him my whole life, really, my whole adult life. Um, our two boys were grown here. They were born here. Um, Christian was actually born on a Sunday morning at 9.30. And um, Dave Duncan had us pray, had you guys pray for us, because I was in the hospital first service and announced he was born in the second service. <laughs> so that was kind of cool. Yeah. So we were on the phone. He's here. Um, 
My mom attended here for eight years, and her celebration of life was also here. And one of these chairs, my mom bought. So when we bought new chairs, I think we, like, everybody bought a chair for like $30 or something. And she bought a chair, and she didn't have a lot of money, but she'd pay like 5 or $10 a week. So she paid it for a chair. So one of these chairs is from my mom, which is awesome. Um, our daughter was also born here, and although she didn't stay on the planet for a, a long time, um, we also had her memorial service here. And during that time, our Rivers family really carried our family in miraculous ways. And um, one of the things that I've always prayed for my father, my father is not a believer, he came to the service for that, for my daughter, and he was blown away by the Holy Spirit and by the love that you guys were pouring into us and into our family. I remember our boys were crying, and um, all the little kids of the rivers that are all grown up now, some of them are married now, just came and just kneeled in front of Christian and just cried and wept with him. And my father was just like, wow, like, what is this? And we said, that's God. That's God, Dad. So thank you for that. Robin and Michelle taught us how to do that for each other. They taught us how to care for people very well. Um, the Bible says they'll know us by our love, and that was an example of that. So um, some things I remember and learned in the last 25 years, I'm going to wrap up. I read three things, so I've been here a long time, but they're not all mine, okay? Um, and some of you'll remember, and maybe you won't. We're all jerks and boneheads. Treat others like the person they are becoming. I do, we do, you do. Invite others to minister with you. Love is my heart for your highest good. And there was a second part, Rob, but I couldn't remember. Doing something about it or something like that. And acting, acting on it. Acting yes. on it. My heart for your highest good and acting on it. It's not about me. We did the 40 Days of Purpose thing. Do church as a team. We went through that book. Stop it. Pastor Bob, we love you. Have grace for others. Pets are welcome in church. You know, Katie was there, and we've had dogs and cats in here and stuff. Um, get out, which doesn't mean go, but we used to go outside and do hikes and stuff, and I know Greg was part of that. Quality coffee is essential, so we've invested in good coffee, but don't drink the creamers. So the kids would drink the creamers, and we don't do that. It's disgusting. Um, Eli, Smokey, Donkey, and James Reed, the biker puppet from Super Church. I couldn't find them all, but they're around. They're awesome. Um, we had annual turkey bowl games where we'd go and play football and turkey, or football on turkey morning. You know what I mean, right? <laughs> and the last few years, that was followed up by um, dinner or breakfast at the Ball's house, Eric and Teresa. Let God drive your car. Learn that. And um, create a place for others to come to. And that's what we're still doing. And that's what, yes. Uh, yes. Uh, the full phrase would be, your faithfulness creates a home for others to come to. Your faithfulness creates a home for others to come to. Yes, ma'am. And that's the truth. Mm -hmm. 
So we started here when we were kids and grew up here, and um, a lot of this didn't sink in until later, but now we're here creating, our faithfulness is helping to create a place for others to come to. Um, and I think the biggest thing that I, I've learned, um, church is a family, we're up and down, we're not perfect, we're all human, good things, bad things, but it's not a building, and Rob would tell us that all the time, church is not the building, it's people, and um, held together through time, you know, you're all, you guys are all here from all kinds of different times, different locations, some people are far away, close, doesn't matter, but we're all family. Um, and we're friends, and Diana and I say we're family. So I love you guys. Well, that's, that's kind of a hard act to follow. <laughs> um, I did Kelly a favor and printed hers, and with the tears in my eyes, it's kind of hard to read. Um, I've got a message from Sherry Covell. Dear Rivers family, I'm remembering you all with such fondness on this church's 30th birthday party. I remember the 20th. Mostly, I thank you all for the wonderful time together in worship and our women's camp and prayer experiences. Michael would, warn, would join me to extend multiple bear-in-the-chair hugs <laughs> all around. That's for sure. May our good Lord Jesus continue to bind our hearts together as we look to him, to our final home in heaven. I am so glad for the celebration and for Rob and Michelle's faithfulness and cheerful service. Sherry Covell, she's got a cute little picture of herself 78 and smiling. Come on. <laughs> well, I read back to my words that I brought on the 20th anniversary, and, and that was um, kind of similar to what I want to share today. We came here 14 years ago, and God shook up my life with the move. We moved from Southern California to Northern California. And I wondered why, but he had a plan. I came to church here the second Sunday that we were here, and I never left. I instantly felt at home. And the last 14 years have brought many joys and challenges, but the love and faithfulness of God are always with me. God has taken me out of my comfort zone. I was in a real comfort zone in Southern California, and he has stretched me in new ways. But he has not... What did I write here? He, he has not destined us for a life of comfort. That's right. He's destined us for a life of service. And as we sang one of those songs, the rivers flows through me. Yeah. And that's my prayer. That, and, and we've been learning about the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. That it not just keep, make me comfortable and happy and that I sit in a chair. Right. But that I let that flow through me in service. Amen. Thank you, Dave. Hey, hey. 
Chris. Well, good morning. Uh, I'm Chris Jackson. I'm one of the new families here. Um, those are two very tough acts to follow. Um, good history lessons and a lot of love and watching those videos and sitting up there with Skip and having him bump me and go, that's so-and-so, and listen to this person, look at them. And, you know, um, so I love that we're sharing the past. And also, Pastor Mark talked about the future. And um, we moved here about two years ago. And uh, my wife and I have been involved in church ministries the last 10 years. The three years before we moved up here to Yuba City, we were the directors of the Celebrate Recovery Ministry. We had about 40, 50, 60 every week, and we dealt with a lot of people and a lot of leaders and worship music, and we're juggling things around, and we don't know what God's doing with our lives, and we're settled in, and we built a, a friendships and, and all the good stuff that goes along with it, and then God asks us to move. Wow. And, uh, and it was tough. So we moved up here to Yuba City, and I'm sharing this with you because it's a buildup. Because I liked what Mark said when he said how Simon Peter just boldly said what he was going to say, and, and I feel that God has, has given me that. And, um, you know, so when we got here to Yuba City, we said, oh, man, we've been doing this church ministries and dealing with broken people, and we've been doing this for five years, and we're tired. Let's take a break. Let's go sit in the back somewhere. Well, this was me speaking, not her. I said, let's just go sit in the back somewhere, blend in, and, and, and I'll name some of the churches. We went to the Adventure Church, and I was like, eh. We went to the, the Hope Point. I said, eh, too many people. And we went to Glad Tidings, and, and every mega church that you could imagine in this city, we went there. And every time I showed up, I thought, this is the perfect place to just blend in. Because they have everybody they need. They have everything they need here. And... Um, we showed up here, one, and it's funny because we came from a four-square church in Escondido. And we'd found the rivers before we came up here. And we didn't visit the rivers. We drove by one day, and I said, oh, I think it's in that parking lot right there. Let's just keep looking around. <laughs> and we didn't come in. I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. And so uh, God is so good because we came here one Sunday, and God basically said, your break is over. Because I walked in, and I looked around, and how many people here, uh, a little, you know, you were born before 1996, you saw Indiana Jones in the Last Crusade. Nobody could pass that one up. I remember my most favorite scene in that movie is the exact feeling I got when I came into this church. When they were sitting there picking the cups, and, and, and Indiana Jones looks, and he finds that cup that was small in the back, needed some love, and he said, this is the cup of a carpenter. I looked at my wife, we went home that Sunday, and I said, this is where God needs us to be. Wow. And I believe in the future, and, and I just wanted to speak that into the life of this church. We yes. believe in speaking life yes. into our Amen. church, into our life. And, and so to carry on, my wife said, we, we got here, I gave her the, the home of her dreams. She said, you're not moving me again. I said, I promise. So I, we believe that God put us here. So this last year when COVID struck, I worked on getting my real estate license because I said, I have a backup plan. We don't have to move again. We're not going anywhere. We're settling and putting our roots here because we came from Southern California. Where'd Dale go? We came from Southern California. It's just too many people, too busy. God's got it under control down there. We're going to do something here. <laughs> Amen? All right. So uh, I, I don't know all of you, but I see a lot of you every Sunday, and my heart already loves you. I, I love people. 
That's what God's done. God's changed my life. I love people. Wow. And, it's, and it's been a pleasure meeting Rob and Pastor Mark and Jill. I love you guys. Amen. You know, and uh, I love this church. I love everything about it. This is where God ha would have us. So thank you for asking me to come up today and, and give my little uh, add-on to uh, all this wonderful history and all this wonderful, wonderful memories. And I look forward to our future. Thank Amen. You. Amen. Talk about a hard act to follow. Jeez. Thank you, Chris. Man, I'm fired up. Okay. Is there anybody else that's supposed to do something? Am I up here in the wrong time again? <laughs> or are we good to go? Gabriel. Well, let's get a microphone if he's going to. Can we say hi to Gabriel? Oh, this is a, this is a, this is a precious man. Right here. Just go like that. I've gone through divorce and uh, okay. was broken. Hold and on. I, uh, what are we doing? I'm just trying to turn it on. I don't know how it Maybe works, I'm not talking loud enough. I came to Rivers about 1996. I was broken. I'd gone through divorce. And uh, I contacted several other churches in the area. And I needed to have some counseling. And uh, they rejected me because I didn't attend their church. And I thought, well, what, what about the Good Samaritan, you know? I mean, those religious people rejected the man that was down and out. You know, and I felt like that man that was down and out. But the Rivers took me in. Pastor Rob counseled me. And... Uh, we stayed here, my wife and I stayed here, and we grew in the Lord. And, you know, I've, I've asked myself, I wonder why there's not more people attending the rivers because it's such a good church. But Pastor Rob would always speak about this is a church to dispense people, to go out, out into the world. And so they'd get training here, and then they'd go out. And uh, sometimes we think, well, I'm not really doing a whole lot for the Lord. But you know what? We never know what one person but their life can impact so many others. And you and Michelle and your family have impacted my life and my wife's life and so many other people that we don't even know. I mean, there's probably thousands, literally thousands or tens of thousands of people's lives are impacted because of this ministry and this church. In uh, 1997, the levee broke about a half a mile from my house and totally inundated my house. I had two feet of the roof sticking out of the water for two weeks. And I was attending here, and I'd been reading a book by Dr. David Jeremiah, The Story of Joseph, God Meant It for Good. And I thought, well, my kids were safe. And I was safe. And everybody was fine. I just thought I'd just have to start over. And I didn't feel down. I didn't feel remorse. There was a couple little old ladies. I borrowed a camp trailer. was staying on the property after I could get out there, and they came from the health department and said, you know what, you need some mental counseling because of what you've gone through here and uh, gone through divorce. And so you really need some counseling. I said, no. She says, you're a victim. You need counseling. I said, no, I refuse to be a victim. I'm a, be a victor. I'm a victor through Christ who loved me. And I went through that, and Pastor Rob 
and Jim and Suzanne and Catherine came out to my house, and people from the church here helped me muck it out, see what I could save, and clean stuff and wash stuff, and bottom line is we couldn't save anything. Anything was a total loss. And I'd paid my house off the month before, and I had a Calvet loan which covered everything, every kind of... Uh, Tornado, typhoon, hurricane, sleet, snow, everything. But I paid my house off, so I didn't have that insurance. About two months later, I got a letter from Calvet saying that I owed them $42.86. With that $42.86, I had insurance, flood insurance. But I didn't know it for two months. I was just thanking God I had my life and we're all safe. But um, the point I'm making is um, God's faithful. He's faithful. And I want to be faithful to him. And I appreciate the rivers. I love you, Pastor Rob and Michelle, your family. And God bless you all. And uh, I don't attend here, but I'm in ministry. I love God with all my heart. And I wish God to bless each and every one of you. Thank you. So I just want to make sure you understand that Gabriel had a wonderful new house built. We got to be there at its like dedication. When he called me, I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, your house is destroyed. And he's like, praise God. And I'm like, I don't think I'd be saying that right now. But, but Gabriel said that and, and God was faithful. That's called faith, amen? Yes. All right. I, when are we supposed to be done? I'm going to adjust my belt. No, I mean, uh, <laughs> um, I don't want to wear you out, but I, I really believe God wants to do something more. This morning, he's done a lot. Um, I just want to say very carefully that if we haven't mentioned your name or clapped for you or something else, please don't take that as any oversight, uh, you are cherished and celebrated and appreciated and loved. So, uh, well, I'm going to just move a little ahead on, on my notes, and um, I just want to read our what was our founding passage. It used to be up on the wall. I was going to go sneak around in the... That's um, no, not it, though. I, I don't, it, isn't that Hebrews? Yeah, that's like the fourth square founding passage, but then the Rivers has one. And uh, I was going to go sneak in the storeroom, see if I could find it and put it up, but uh, uh, we were busy practicing. So um, I want to read it to you because it's the Word of God, right? It's, it's not just something somebody said. It's the Word of God. And it says, do not, as Isaiah 43, 18 through 21, do not call to mind the former things or ponder the things of the past. Behold, that means pay attention. I will do something new. Now it will spring forth. Will you not be aware of it or will you not perceive it? I will even make a roadway in the wilderness, rivers in the desert. The beasts of the field will glorify me, the jackals and the ostriches, because I have given waters in the wilderness and rivers in the desert to give drink to my chosen people. The people who formed for myself will declare my praise. So that's guided us for, for 30 years, and uh, I, I think it, it's a good 
It's a good guide. Did you find it? God bless you, Kelly. Okay. I just have one request, Pastor Mark, but you don't have to do it because I'm, I'm, it's kind of cool. Like, I'm not really anybody anymore. <laughs> but if you want to put this up, you can. No pressure. Forget the former things, do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. I am making a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert to give drink to my people. It's a little bit shortened version. Um, so, I, you know, wherever you are, whatever the name of your church is, wherever you put your pictures, <laughs> you get it, Jill. Um, that's what God wants to do. And, and the, the, when we first came to Yuba City, that, that, was, that was in our hearts. Says, you know, Yuba City's not a desert or a wilderness, right? We actually have roads here, and um, we have sometimes too much rivers. Um, but there are people who are in deserts and people who feel like they're in wildernesses. Amen? Come on. If you don't talk back to me, I don't do very good. Um, and so that was our passion. Lots of churches here. Um, it wasn't about that, but we just figured there's probably some people that are in some kind of wilderness, in some kind of desert. God wants to make a way for them, and he wants to give them drink. He wants to refresh them. He wants to revive them. So um, made me think of uh, what, what 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says. Uh, it says, we walk by faith, not by sight. When God says he's going to, He's going to do something new. And then he asked this question, can you perceive it? And uh, faith is an interesting thing. You know, it's not like you get a, a scripted, um, you know, something from God that says, this is what's going to happen. Anybody got that? I, I don't get those. Uh, even prophecy is, has contingencies, you know, and mysteries sometimes. But one, one thing faith asks us to do is to see what isn't here yet. And every one of you who came, that was, that was something in your heart. And you made something be here that wasn't here before you came. Think about that. Faith is, is what the evidence of things not seen, right? The assurance of things hoped for, Hebrews 11 tells us. And so I just believe this morning, you know, wherever you might attend, if this is your church home or if you're in another church home or if you're watching online and you're far away, I believe God's asking you, will you perceive the new thing that he wants to do? I'll get to a little more of that later. Um, and, and part of that is you have to let go of the past. It doesn't mean, you know, it's, it's kind of ironic. We're celebrating 30 years, and my text is, forget the past. <laughs> well, obviously, we're not forgetting the good stuff in the past, because the, the past does inform us. But I, I want you to, to say this with me. I'll say it once. Your past does not define your future. There it is. Let's say it together. Your past does not define your future. Now, master, unmask, don't spit on them, but turn to somebody near you and tell them that your past does not define your future. Isn't that liberating? Is that liberating, church? Thank you. Was that Mark? Oh, that was Chris. Okay. I pay Mark to say amen, but he failed there. Right? So, okay. How many people have made mistakes? If you don't raise your hand, I'm coming over to raise them for you. So uh, have you ever made a mistake? Yeah. Okay. All right. How many people have made lots of mistakes? How many people have made mistakes that you grieve over? 
right? Right. That's why we kept telling people we're jerks and boneheads being transformed in the image of Christ. It was a filter. If you came in here and I said you're a jerk and a bonehead and you didn't like that, I knew you probably weren't going to last at the rivers. <laughs> right? Because, you know, you're like, there's that pride thing. Well, I'm not a jerk and a bonehead. And we just turn and go, yes, you are. Because we had scripture to back us up. Right? All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Right? No one is righteous. No, not one. That's what the scripture tells us. But when you fail, and when you know you stumble, and when you struggle with things, for you to know that your past doesn't define your future is an amazing truth. And that's what God's saying. He goes, let go of the past, including your accomplishments. Let the past inform you, but it doesn't direct you. And hold on to this future where God says, I'm going to do something new, and I'm going to ask you to try and perceive it. That means we're going to have to seek him some. That means we're going to have to ask him. That means we're going to have to listen. That means we're going to have to follow and then he'll help us perceive what that, what that new thing is. We sang a song this morning. I'm always looking for my water. Usually Darlene has. Oh, there we go. We sang a song this morning, and I've been thinking about these lyrics for at least weeks. Um, actually, we didn't sing this song this morning. We're going to sing this song. Yes. We sang this song last Sunday. I happen to be here two weeks in a row. It's a very strange experience, but a wonderful experience. We sang this song last Sunday, and these lyrics bother me a little bit. And I'll, I'll explain that. The song's Waymaker. And it says, you are here touching every heart. I worship you. I worship you. You were here healing every heart. I worship you. I worship you. And then it says this. You were here turning lives around. I worship you. I worship you. And uh, I don't want to be, uh, come off as rude. I don't mean to do that. But I want to ask a tough question. And this is to everybody in the room, okay? I'm not focusing it on to the current congregation of the rivers in, in any way more than I'm focusing it on to you and me, okay? And you know how it works. It's, it's always four fingers pointing back at me, however that works. Okay? So I, I, I don't want to be rude, but I do want to provoke you. And, and in the biblical sense, I want to admonish us, okay? I'm totally in on this. But here's the question. Wherever your here is, is he here turning lives around? Is he here turning lives around? Or are we just here going through it? You know, nice songs, good message, enjoyed the teaching, I got friends, it's all okay. Because you see, that really has very little to do with what Jesus intended for his church. And my concern, my, our, our district supervisor, when I retired from being the um, area pastor in the middle of last year, he said, well, Rob, you're still an elder on the district. I'm like, couldn't you use another term? <laughs> but, um, you know, I thought it was very honoring. I don't think of myself in those ways. But actually, this morning, I'd like to come to you that way. Um, I got most of you beat, 
Dee's ahead of me by a couple of years, but we're, you always have had such a receptive heart. Um, I'd just like to honor this lady. She, she's all, she knows, yeah, she, come on. She knows so much scripture, but she would come to classes that this dude was teaching and take notes. And, uh, you know, always just appreciated that. And uh, that's right. And that's the heart. So, so as a, as an elder, so what I'm saying is, hopefully, some somebody with some uh, ramp to speak into your life, not because of who I am, but just maybe because of that God put me somewhere in your life to you. Is He here turning lives around? Okay, I, I want you to struggle with me on that a little bit because. I know in some churches, I mean, of course, he's there, right? His people are there. But there's really not a lot of turning lives around going on. There's attending, there's singing, there's giving, there's teaching. But there is nothing that feeds the life of a church than when people's lives are being changed. There's nothing. You don't really have to talk people into serving when people's lives are being changed. See, I, I don't really want to lay my life down for a program so that people who already know Jesus and think their lives have changed enough can come and be happy and, and, and get, you know, get to sing or do whatever they do. I find it hard to be motivated to lay my life down for that. But I'm really motivated to lay my life down for people that are hurting and people that are confused, and people that look way different than me, and, and especially young people who are struggling and, and maybe aren't even asking the questions I want to answer yet, right? You and me, we can lay our life down for that, no matter what their age is. Is he here turning lives around? See, I believe the church of Jesus Christ is intended to be an instrument of spiritual revolution, not an institution of religious gatherings. Jesus was a spiritual insurrectionist, right? That's why they killed him. That's why he caused so much trouble. None of the religious establishment liked him at all. He'd come to their meetings and disrupt it, not by being rowdy, but by just saying one or two things that turned everything upside down. So um, I want to share five things, and I feel uh, I just wanted to reference the Apostle John, 1 John 2, 7, because he says, Dear friends, I'm not writing to you a new command, but an old one, which you have heard since the beginning. This old command is the message you have heard. I believe what he's saying there, it probably has two references. Uh, it's the Apostle John, so what do you think he might be talking about? All you need is love. Yes. Okay, First John's the, the love epistle. So I'm pretty sure he's talking about Jesus' command, love one another, right? As I have loved you, I want you to love one another. This is how everybody's going to know you're my followers. But I also believe when he says that this old command is the message you have heard, I hear the echo in that, that this is the gospel. This isn't just love one another, but this is the rest of the gospel. The incarnation, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ that 
birthed the church by the coming of the Holy Spirit who lives inside of every one of us, not so we can be happy, and thank you, Kelly, not so we can be in our comfort zone. Right, Chris? And Chris? <laughs> I got two Chris's in a row here. Man, that makes me happy. It's not why the church exists. COVID hasn't helped. Would you agree with that, Pastor? COVID hasn't helped. Oh, don't mind. Just don't gather for a year. Or you can gather, but not now. Stop. It hasn't helped. A lot of people have kind of got the wind out of their sails. A lot of people have strayed. Still here? Oh, this is what I'm supposed to say. I love you. <laughs> and I do. Amen. Okay, five things I, I, I just think we need to be reminded of. So that's why I wanted to talk about John. And he goes, I'm not going to tell you anything new. And, um, you know, I, I was getting ready to be here, and Pastor Mark asked me, asked me, asks me, asked me, he asked me to share, uh, to do the message. And I'm like, oh, I thought I was just going to sit in the back row and blow bubbles or something, you know. So, and then I thought, well, there's going to be a lot of people there that I know, and They'll probably want to hear something profound. Well, sorry. <laughs> I decided to take that burden off myself and just share with you the simple things that I think God wants us to know. Five things. Can you say five? five. All right. Here's the five. I'm going to just mention them. I'm going to go over them briefly because I, I don't want to wear you out. The first is we need to have, if, if, okay, what are the five things? There are five things that if we're going to be the church, if we're going to be the people that God intended us to be, okay, if we're going to do on the planet, through the church, whatever church that is, right? It's all his church. If we're going to do on the planet what he wants us to do, which is turning lives around, amen? This, the, these are things I think are essential. The first is a mindset that accepts and values broken people. I'm going to say this next thing very vaguely because um, the person I'm talking about could be watching. And... Uh, then I know someone, and there, there's another person that um, attends the same church that they attend, but that person is different. I mean, he's uh, significantly different than what we might call a normal person. Now, of course, I relate to him because I'm also significantly different than a normal person. Amen. And yeah, you guys all, I don't know, that's not news, but... Um, this person will sometimes, you know, want to say something in the middle of the service or, or just do things that, to the structure, organize, this is how the service goes kind of mindset uh, doesn't fit. But I think we need more people like that coming in our doors, coming into our homes, what, what, where, however it happens. We need more people like that, not less. Made me think of when Jesus saw the, uh, I think it was, um, yeah, it was a dude uh, in a tree. What was his name? Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus. Yeah, okay. Thank you. I had it yesterday. Um, this guy's watching Jesus from the tree because he's short. And out of all the people that were there, important people, rich people, you know, influential people, Jesus looks at the dude in the tree, 
your house for dinner tonight. Isn't that great? And, and he's like, Jesus wants to come to my house? Now, this guy isn't like a devout Jew. He, no one likes him. I believe he's a tax collector. Yeah, no one likes him. He was basically a traitor. It'd be sort of like if he was an Antifa guy sitting in the tree. Right? And I'm not even joking. That's it. And Jesus goes, I want to come to your house for dinner. What, is, what does Zacchaeus do? He rushes home and tells Mrs. Zacchaeus, we got company. How many? I don't know. He has lots of friends. <laughs> That's who Jesus reached out to. I think we have to have a mindset that accepts and values broken people. And the second thing is this. I think, I think we have to have a passion to see people restored to who they really are. Sin distorts you, right? Sin mars you. Sin warps you. Can anybody say amen to that? It's happened in your life, so you have personal experience. But Jesus' goal is to restore you, right? I came that they might have life and life abundantly. We're being transformed into the image of Christ. That's the goal. And, and one way I like to define just a glimpse of that is the new man, the new creation that 2 Corinthians tells us about. If anybody be in Christ, they are what? They are, a, say it with me, a new creation. Say it again, a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. So one of the ways I like to just give myself a, a little bit of a handhold on that is that's the person that I was created to be and the person in my heart of hearts I've always wanted to be. That's what Jesus is working to make you into. He's not trying to make you somebody weird or religious. There's enough of those. He's trying to make you into the person that you were created to be and in your heart of hearts you've always wanted to be. In other words, those two things link up. And all of a sudden, well, not all of a sudden, but over a process you realize, I'm becoming more of who I'm really supposed to be. I'm becoming, becoming less distorted and more like Jesus. And are there ever setbacks along that road? Oh, yeah. oh baby. But Jesus, oh, gosh, if I could just say one thing. Jesus never gives up on you. He never gives up on you. He, he never gives up on you. He never gives up on you. He doesn't define you by your sin or your biggest failure. Isn't that great news? It's not, aha, I knew you were like that. It's, aha, I'm making you something different. Forget the past, right? I'm doing something new. Third thing is this, a commitment to the hard work. I think Kelly pretty much, she, she must have seen my notes, I'm thinking. A commitment to the hard work of ongoing transformation in ourselves and in others. This is called discipleship. It takes the gospel to be able to release people into who they're supposed to be, and then it takes discipleship for that process to keep going. It's transformation. That's where Galatians 6, 9 comes in that I referenced earlier. Let us not become weary in doing good. Some of you have. Maybe you've been hurt. Maybe people didn't appreciate what you did. Or maybe you did it wrong and people are, well, that was dumb. But don't be weary in doing good. And here's the why. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. We'll reap a harvest. Michelle and I live in a place where we have a little orchard and some raised beds for garden. And first of all, I just... I'm so humbled by farmers, because <laughs> if you depended on me, we'd both be very skinny. 
farmers for all this food. You know, we go to the grocery store, it's all there, but when you grow your own, it's all about reaping a harvest. I didn't plant that apple tree to see leaves or even the flowers, right? Go, oh, beautiful flowers. I'm like, you better get pollinated, <laughs> right? It's all about reaping a harvest. And your life is about bearing fruit. That's the harvest for Jesus. It's about bearing fruit. All sorts of different ways and kinds. It's custom tailored. Some of the fruit you're going to bear, I could never bear because I'm not you and you're you and you're amazing that way. But I will tell you one thing. When you get to the end of your life, God's going to ask you two questions. I upped it by one. The first he's going to ask you is, what did you do with what I gave you? Balance, calling, friends, relationship. What did you do with what I gave you? But the second thing he's going to ask you is, can I see my harvest? Now, of course, we know. But he's going to expect a harvest from our lives. We can't come and say, well, I have nice leaves. He goes, you're a fruit tree, dude. Right? Well, I have flowers. And? Well, here's a little apple that the birds have already picked on, Lord. It's, it can't be like that. The one thing I've learned being a, <laughs> what, I don't even know what to call me, um, a silly farmer. Let's call me that, a silly farmer, not a real farmer. <laughs> one thing I've learned is none of this happens by accident. Weeds happen by accident. Thistles happen by accident. But my apples and pears and nectarines and broccoli and cauliflower, I'm learning to like cauliflower because when you grow it, you've got to eat it. You're like, it's got to be good. And, and tomatoes, they take work. They take planning. They take strategy. Anybody say amen to that? It's done a little bit, right? It, it doesn't happen by accident. And neither will your fruit bearing. And I don't know how long you have. You might think, well, I'm only 22. I'll sow some wild oats. I lost a brother at 21. I'm thankful he wasn't sowing wild oats. You've all lost friends way before their time and family members. Jesus is going to ask you and me for a harvest. So we have to do the hard work. I, and I, I come up with another story if it was real, but I'm, I've never lied to you. Number four, I resolved to work together as a team to carry out God's call. And I just call this church. It's people doing it together. It's people cooperating. You should try being on the worship team with me. That takes a lot of cooperation. Amen. It does. <laughs> we just, it's just true. Because I, I want a certain thing, right? <laughs> And God love them for putting up with me. But, but it takes hard work. And by the way, we don't want it to sound really good so you can go, oh, you guys sound really good. We want it to sound good so you can be released in worship, not distracted by our mistakes or confusion, and experience the presence of God. Amen? Amen. And every ministry is like that. The reason we want to do it really well and, you know, sometimes it's just the best we can do. But the reason we work so hard and try so hard... It's because we want it to be effective. So we do it as a team. I have led worship by myself. This was a lot more fun this morning. <laughs> because if I missed a chord, 
James was there. Skip was there. Greg was there. Randy's holding the root of the chord. I could, I could go, oh, what good is that? I don't have to play it. But when I'm playing alone, oh, it's miserable, at least for me. And I want to commend you. I know I've been exhorting you. I want to commend you. You guys know how to work together as a team. I've seen it. I've seen you lead teams. I've seen you serve on teams. I've seen you inspire uh, others to serve. I've seen you creating together, coming up with donkeys and cows that preach the gospel. I mean, <laughs> right? And, and uh, whole puppet houses that roll around. You know how to do that. But I want to make sure you're still doing that. I have a friend. His name is Robert Guider. He's from, he's from Ireland. First time I heard him pray, he was praying to Father God. And I'm like, who's he talking to? <laughs> I don't think he's a Christian. He's talking to some other deity, Father God. And finally, I got his accent down. I'm like, oh, it's Father God. Robert's an amazing man. And he, he would say, before I retired, he would say, I think he said it a lot around me on purpose. He goes, there's no retiring. <laughs> When you're in the ministry, you know, when you're a believer, there's, retirement's not in the Bible. He's right. You can't retire either. I haven't retired. Do you know I'm speaking in Grass Valley right at this very moment? Well, no, that's a shorter service. But anyway, I was this morning. I'm even wearing the same shirt. Because <laughs> they're playing a recording because they wanted me to speak up. there because I'm in demand just because I was trying to be helpful. And I don't say that to brag about me. I'm just saying that, I, I, you know, God didn't say, okay, Rob, you can just sit on your porch swing, take up smoking cigars or something, you know, <laughs> and, and just put your feet up. And I don't want to do that. I want to bear fruit for the kingdom. I want, you know, another, another person that is broken, the privilege, and have you ever asked to do this? Say, Jesus, send me, send me to somebody. Send me to somebody. And he will. And they'll be messed up. Right? And you won't know what to do. And you'll be the right person for the job. <laughs> Gabriel kindly talked about me counseling him. Most of the times I counseled someone, I approached the counseling session with this prayer. Oh, gosh! What am I going to say? I don't know anything that would help them. And God's like, that's a good starting point. I got you right where I want you. Because you're going to have to say what I whisper in your ear during this conversation instead of spout off stuff you think is smart. And he would. Sometimes I would say things I didn't know. As I was saying them, I'd be like, that's really amazing. <laughs> I didn't come up with it. The Holy Spirit spoke it, and I'm like following after. Could I learn more about that? He'll do that with you. You don't have to be old. You don't have to be seasoned. You just, you just have to be willing. You have to be available. Number five. Can you believe I did five points this fast? It is a world record. A decision to believe the best about people. Okay, church, if we could just get a little honest, because not that I haven't been, but it's going to get worse. Not quite yet. Sorry. <laughs> God bless you. Greg, you are such a precious man. Talk about someone who puts up with me. Um, but you're very close. 
Worship team, you can come up, though. You can come up and be poised. Up. Here, here's what I want to say. You will get hurt in ministry. I don't mean pastoring. I mean ministry. Apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, evangelists are what? Called to equip us, the saints, to do the work of the ministry so that the body of Christ might be built up. So I'm talking about all of us. Any ministry, you'll experience hurt, you'll experience failure, you will experience disappointment, people will let you down, people will not live up to your expectations, people may even be mean to you. And in this case, I'd like to just do the corollary to the Bob Walker counseling method of stop it, which is get over it. <laughs> right? And I don't mean that rudely, but we have to get over it to move on. Otherwise, what happens? It's called bitterness. And bitterness will wreck you, not just in ministry, and in your life. And then if I could be so bold, love you, um, who do you think you are anyway? Because you do, you do that too to other people. Sometimes we don't even know it, right? We don't even know it. Oh, I, I, I didn't know I offended you. I'm so sorry I let you down. I've let so many people down, and I, I never wanted to. But we have to move beyond that because... Otherwise, there's no harvest. You just kind of go off to the side and you protect yourself. You weren't made to be protected. You were made to be a warrior, right? More than conquerors, like we sang. That takes some nicks and bruises to get there. So, Pastor Mark, I'm, I, I didn't ask you permission for this. So you can discipline me later if I need it, and I'll, I'll respond in humility. But, um, oh, I guess I need that, don't I, darling? <laughs> it's sure nice being home. It's so comfortable. Um, um, I, just, I just really felt like this morning... We're supposed to respond to Jesus. And um, I know, you know, we're trying to keep social distance and wear masks, and, and, um, but I think we can still do that. But uh, can I switch here? I know sometimes it's, uh, it's easy to have the fire dim down. You know, our song, Light the Fire Again, we sing a long, long time ago. There's a reason we have songs like that, because the fire, the flames go, grow cold, right? One of the reasons the fire dims down is because it's like a log that rolls out of the fire. It's not going to burn all by itself. It's got to be in the pot got to be in the stack. And so here, here's my invitation, and I'd like you to respond somehow. Um, coming forward and standing and kneeling as one. Um, if that fills up, please don't crowd together, but you could you know, go off to the side. There's lots of room over there. There's a little room over there um, or at the back. If that fills up than just where you are at your chair.
but the response will indicate will be indicated by some kind of physical movement kneeling standing you know some change from where you are right now and it's essentially this do you want to be part of turning lives around have you cooled off have you drifted have you you know not really stayed in fellowship the best you could during this COVID time or even before have you become a little isolated have you let disappointment uh, take the flames down that Jesus lit by his Holy Spirit in your life so what I'm asking the Lord for this morning is a renewal starting with me I need it I need it I need him to fan my flames I need him to wash me clean like we sang I need him to purge me with his fire I need me I need him to fill me with his anointing I want to have an increased passion for the lost and the broken Sometimes I'm just okay how I am. Then Jesus is not okay with that. So I'm going to ask you to be brave. I'm going to ask you to be humble. And we're going to sing a song. And uh, there's really no direction beyond that. I'm just going to invite you to respond. If you want to be part of something that turns people's lives around and you're ready to let Jesus work fresh in you, pour fresh oil of his Holy Spirit into your life, be filled again and put your hand to the plow so we can bring a harvest to our Savior. And then I'd just like you to respond starting right now. Come forward, go to the back, go to the aisles, go to the sides and just tell Jesus, yes, I want to be part of something that turns lives around and I need you to fill me in order for that to happen. pastors are responding so that kind of sets the, the precedent he wants to turn lives around I want to tell you dear ones you're never going to regret saying I'm here and I'm yours I'm here and I'm yours Jesus said if you want to be my disciple you have to deny yourself forsake the life that you think you have take up my cross and follow me but behind that incredible challenge is the promise of new and eternal life and being part of his harvest